to wear his saban, and so he pretended he did not care about the storm god's threat. It was while they watched the storm that the stranger came. He rode a small down horse that was white with sweat. His saddle was a folded woolen blanket, and his reins were lines of woven nettle fibre, though he hardly needed them, for he was wounded and seemed tired, letting the small horse pick its own way up the track which climbed the steep escarpment. The stranger's head was bowed, and his heels hung almost to the ground. He wore a woolen cloak, dyed blue, and in his right hand was a bow, while on his left shoulder there hung a leather quiver filled with arrows, fledged with the feathers of seagulls and crows. His short beard was black, while the tribal marks scarred into his cheeks were grey. Lengai hissed at Saban to stay silent, then tracked the stranger eastward. Lenga had an arrow on his bowstring, but the stranger never once turned to see if he was being followed, and Lenga was content to let the arrow rest on its string. Saban wondered if the horseman even lived, for he seemed like a dead man slumped inert on his horse's back. The stranger was an outlander. Even Saban knew that, for only the outfolk rode the small shaggy horses and had grey scars on their faces. The outfolk were enemy. Yet still Lengar did not release his arrow. He just followed the horseman, and Saban followed Lengar, until at last the outlander came to the edge of the trees where Bracken grew. There the stranger stopped his horse and raised his head to stare across the gently rising land, while Lengar and Saban crouched unseen behind him. The stranger saw Bracken, and beyond it, where the soil was thin above the underlying chalk, grassland. There were grave mounds dotted on the grassland's low crest. Pigs rooted in the bracken, while white cattle grazed the pastureland. The sun still shone here. The stranger stayed a long while at the wood's edge, looking for enemies, but seeing none. Off to his north, a long way off, there were wheat fields fenced with thorn, over which the first clouds, outriders of the storm, were chasing their shadows. But all ahead of him was sunlight. There was life ahead, darkness behind, and the small horse, unbidden, suddenly jolted into the bracken. The rider let it carry him. The horse climbed a gentle slope to the grave mounds. Langa and Saban waited until the stranger disappeared over the skyline, then followed. And once at the crest, they crouched in a grave's ditch and saw that the rider had stopped beside the old temple. A grumble of thunder sounded, and another gust of wind flattened the grass where the cattle grazed. The stranger slid from his horse's back, crossed the overgrown ditch of the old temple, and disappeared into the hazel shrub that grew so thick within the sacred circle. Saban guessed the man was seeking sanctuary, but Lenga was behind the outlander, and Lenga was not given to mercy. The abandoned horse, frightened by the thunder and by the big cattle, trotted west toward the forest. Lengar waited until the horse had gone back into the trees, then rose from the ditch and ran toward the hazels where the stranger had gone. Saban followed, going to where he'd never been in all his twelve years, to the old temple. Once, many years before, so long before that no one alive could remember those times, the old temple had been the greatest shrine of the heartland. In those days, when men had come from far off to dance the temple's rings, 
A high bank of chalk that encircled the shrine had been so white that it seemed to shine in the moonlight. From one side of the shining ring to the other was a hundred paces, and in the old days that sacred space had been beaten bare by the feet of the dancers, as they girdled the death house that had been made from three rings of trimmed oak trunks. The smooth bare trunks had been oiled with animal fat and hung with boughs of holly and ivy. Now the bank was thick with grass and choked by weeds. Small hazels grew in the ditch, and more hazels had invaded the wide space inside the circular bank, so that from a distance the temple looked like a grove of small shrubs. Birds nested where men had once danced. One oak pole of the death house still showed above the tangled hazels, but the pole was leaning now, and its once smooth wood was pitted, black and thick with fungi. The temple had been abandoned, yet the gods do not forget their shrines. Sometimes, on still days, when a mist laid on the pasture, or when the swollen moon hung motionless above the chalk ring, the hazel leaves shivered as though a wind passed through them. The dancers were gone, but the power remained. And now the outlander had gone to the temple. The gods were screaming. Cloud shadow swallowed the pasture as Lengar and Saban ran towards the old temple. Saban was cold, and he was scared. Lengar was also frightened. But the outfolk were famous for their wealth, and Lengar's greed overcame his fear of entering the temple. The stranger had clambered through the ditch and up the bank, but Lengar went to the old southern entrance where a narrow causeway led into the overgrown interior. Once across the causeway, Lengar dropped onto all fours and crawled through the hazels. Saban followed reluctantly, not wanting to be left alone in the pasture when the storm god's anger broke. To Lengar's surprise, the old temple was not entirely overgrown, for there was a cleared space where the death house had stood. Someone in the tribe must still visit the old temple, for the weeds had been cleared, the grass cut with a knife and a single ox-skull lay in the death-house, where the stranger now sat with his back against the one remaining temple post. The man's face was pale, and his eyes were closed, but his chest rose and fell with laboured breathing. He wore a strip of dark stone inside his left wrist, fastened there by leather laces. There was blood on his woollen trues. The man had dropped his short bow and his quiver of arrows beside the ox-skull, and now clutched a leather bag to his wounded belly. He'd been ambushed in the forest three days before. He'd not seen his attackers, just felt the sudden hot pain of the thrown spear, then kicked his horse and let it carry him out of danger. "'I'll fetch father,' Saban whispered. "'You won't,' Lengar hissed. And the wounded man must have heard them, for he opened his eyes and grimaced as he leaned forward to pick up his bow. But the stranger was slowed by pain, and Lengar was much faster. He dropped his longbow, scrambled from his hiding place, and ran across the death house, scooping up the stranger's bow with one hand and his quiver with the other. In his hurry, he spilled the arrows, so that there was only one left in the leather quiver. A murmur of thunder sounded from the west. Saban shivered fearing that the sound would swell to fill the air with the gods' rage. But the thunder faded, leaving the sky deathly still. Sanas, the stranger said, then added some words in a tongue that neither Lengar nor Saban spoke. Sanas? Lengar asked. Sanas, 
the man repeated eagerly. Samas was the great sorceress of Catalo, famous throughout the land, and Saban presumed the stranger wanted to be healed by her. Lengar smiled. Samas is not of our people, he said. Samas lives north of here. The stranger did not understand what Lengar said. Eric, he said. And Saban, still watching from the undergrowth, wondered if that was the stranger's name, or perhaps the name of his god. Eric! the wounded man said more firmly. But the word meant nothing to Langar, who had taken the one arrow from the stranger's quiver and fitted it onto the short bow. The bow was made of strips of wood and antler, glued together and bound with sinew, and Langar's people had never used such a weapon. They favoured the longer bow carved from the yew tree. But Langar was curious about the odd weapon. He stretched the string, testing its strength. Eric! The stranger cried loudly. You're out, folk, Langar said. You have no business here. He stretched the bow again, surprised by the tension in the short weapon. Bring me a healer. Bring me Sanas, the stranger said in his own tongue. If Sanas were here, Langar said, recognizing only that name, I would kill her first, he spat. That's what I think of Sanas. She's a shriveled old bitch cow. A husk of evil, toad dung made flesh. He spat again. The stranger leaned forward and laboriously scooped up the arrows that had spilled from his quiver and formed them into a small sheath that he held like a knife as though to defend himself. Bring me a healer, he pleaded in his own language. Thunder growled to the west and the hazel leaves shuddered as a breath of cold.